0: morning church um, <clears throat> before we get started let's pray father I just thank you that you have brought us here to hear from you and your word help me as uh, I present these words to be clear be correct, and help us all, Lord, to have our hearts illumined and receive what you have to teach us today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Our passage for today is uh, from the Lord's Prayer, or better stated as the the model prayer that Jesus presented in the the Sermon on the Mount. So it's found in Matthew, if you turn there, I need you to probably keep that, because that's going to be a main reference for the whole uh, message today. Uh, And so Matthew 6, and starting in verse 5. And let me read that for us. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the streets, corners, uh, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your, your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, today we're we're going to be focusing specifically on uh, the first line of this model prayer, which would be in verse 9, the last part of it, <clears throat> where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I realize the title that I gave this um, message this morning, Adoration Prayer's Prior Petition, has an odd wordy wording and that might not be understood right away, but hopefully by the end of today's message, you'll understand why I chose this title in this way. To clarify a bit, uh, when we say prior petition, we're talking about the the preliminary or the primary or the first petition within this prayer. Or when we pray, uh, the petri- the petition that gets the whole thing started. It's like when you uh, begin a a project. Say you're building something. I know we've got several people that are in construction here, and so. You develop a plan, right, and then you take that plan and you go buy the materials that you know that you're going to need for the plan if you planned well. And then as you go out from there, you get what you need and then you start and you build a a really good foundation for what you're going to do, right? And if you don't, you're going to have some problems and you probably won't get the product that you're looking for. Well, uh, we need to consider prayer as something along those lines, so just keep that little uh, uh, illustration in mind But uh, as we talk about prayer. Most people focus on prayer only in response to how it works, uh, not for what, is it, what it's for. We tend to be pragmatic when we pray, uh, and uh, prayer becomes a means to an end, and that end is usually a selfish one. It's uh, kind of like develops from a foxhole faith or uh, when all else fails let's pray kind of mentality Uh, and so when we do that prayer is given the wrong perspective and uh, we're seeing things our way instead of God's way when we go into prayer like that thankfully uh, we've been given the proper perspective for by our Lord Jesus Christ here in this Sermon on the Mount the Lord gives us a model prayer a model for all prayers Showing us that prayer is not primarily for us. Prayer is for God. Prayer is not so much to gain for us what we think we need as much as it is to give God an opportunity to manifest his glory. Prayer is for God. And only incidentally and as a byproduct is it for us. If we never obtain anything other than communion with God when we pray, that should be sufficient to make our prayers a constant thing. Think about that. When we pray, the reality that we are entering the very throne room of God, we commune with the living God of the very universe. When we grasp this reality, we start to understand that prayer is a gift that is so marvelous. And if being in his presence were all there were to prayer, That would be enough to draw us to prayer constantly when we grab a hold of that kind of of thoughts. What an inestimable, inestimable, that's a big word I put down there, privilege to enter to the throne room of God, surrounded by the host of angels, and to commune with the one who's truly devoted to us. If prayer were nothing more than that, it would be sufficient to draw us into prayer without ceasing but prayer is a lot more than that prayer is more than an opportunity to commune with God prayer is an opportunity to display God's glory prayer gives God a vehicle by which he can demonstrate who he is an old saint I believe his name was his last name was Watson put it this way I think it was back in the uh, uh, early uh, 18th century or late 18th century Uh, put it this way true prayer begins um, let me start over true prayer brings the mind to the immediate contemplation of God's character and holds it there until the believer's soul is properly impressed let me say that again just so we'd be clear on it True prayer brings the mind to the immediate contemplation of God's character and holds it there until the believer's soul is properly impressed. Prayer is to impress you with God much more than it is to impress God with you or your needs. You don't need to pray because you want God to think you're holy, and you don't want to pray to get what you can get or to get God to give you what you want. Prayer, rather, is to allow God to be on display. A key verse to on this is John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Why will God hear and answer our prayers? It's in order for the Father to be glorified. Prayer is the first and foremost recognition, is first and foremost a recognition of God's majestic glory and an act of submission to it. That's a strong statement. Prayer is a recognition of God's majestic glory and an act of submission to it. Now let's look back at the passage that we were reading today in uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And we see all the petitions all our passion all our supplications all our needs all our trials all our problems are all subject to his name as you look in verse 9 it's his name and then it's his kingdom in verse 10 and all the prayers begin with his name his kingdom it's him begins with him then uh, they begin there and then you have the verses where give us uh, in verse 11 forgive us in verse 12 and lead, lead us in verse 13 but the giving forgiving and leading of us comes only when God is put in the prior place and that's where I get my my title in the prior place or the proper place he's before all else it's the primary place true worship begins with God and true worship is forgetting self and glorifying God unfortunately most people think of prayer as an effort to bring God in Into line with their own desires and you know that's a major movement in church in churches today in the church today hopefully not our church but many teach that uh, you can demand that God by your faith should keep you well and keep you rich and keep you happy etc and this is just an extension of what comes from the common approach to prayer uh, that is demanding things from God on your own conditions whether we like it or not, in many cases, that's the way we pray. If you kind of look back at some of your prayers recently, you might start seeing that. I know I, I can. And uh, But the, by, this is nothing new, by the way. Uh, back in Genesis 28-20, uh, listen to this. This is Jacob. Uh, and then Jacob made a vow saying, and here's the vow, and taking uh, talking to the Lord now. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way, I will go. In other words, God, if you stick around uh, and, and go my way and do what I want, uh, and then he goes on to say, and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my Father's house in peace, then Lord, then the Lord shall be my God. How about that for a conditional prayer? God, you want me to be on your side? Then fork over the following things that I want, and then he goes on. And this stone, which you, which I have set up uh, for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that I that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Hey, I'll even be a tither if you meet my conditions. Wow. Uh, even the money, if you if you do what I ask, me, I'll give you some. That wasn't a spiritual vow, was it? That's carnal. Got to be careful with how we do these things. God, do you, uh, God, he was saying basically, God, you do what I tell you to do, and I will let you be my God. That isn't how you pray. That's not putting God in the prior place, the primary place of a prayer. You don't go to God demanding anything or commanding God to do anything. It's just wrong. People are out there teaching, if you just believe, you will receive. That's a bunch of baloney. That's playing God, games with people's minds and even worse, with God's sovereignty. Prayer has, as its purpose, the uplifting of God. Uh, the setting of God in its rightful place the manifestation of his glory and, and sovereign will and we bring all other items into submission to that prayer is for God it's not for us necessarily it's for God uh, an outline of this pattern of prayer is uh, if you look at the back at the scripture our father in heaven that would be the paternity of God God's in there hallowed be thy name that's the priority of god your kingdom come that's the program of god uh, your will be done that's the purpose of god give us this day our daily bread that's the provision of god and forgive us our debts that's the pardon of god lead us not into temptation that's the protection of god the whole prayer focuses on god and today as we're studying adoration uh, So let's just focus specifically on that second part of the prayer and that's God's priority hallowed be thy name God's priority is found in verse 9 where it says hallowed be thy name this is the first request of the prayer hallowed be your name <clears throat> the first request is, is on God's behalf, too. Before you even begin to pray for you, or begin, you begin to pray your prayer by praying on God's behalf. Hallowed be your name. Then it's your kingdom come, and your will be done. Then he goes on to give us, forgive us, and lead us. And, then it's, and uh, it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The prayer always begins with God's priority. Uh, hallowed be your name puts God in the prior place before anything else God is first, foremost and supreme and that's putting God in the proper place Arthur Pink uh, had, had this statement to say about this how clearly then is the fundamental duty in prayer set forth self and all its needs must be given a secondary place and the Lord freely accorded the preeminence in our thoughts and supplication. This petition must take the precedence, for the glory of God's great name is the ultimate end of all things. Growing up in the church, we have heard be your name, many times. Uh, we read it through, we recited it, and probably even memorized the Lord's Prayer. But I wonder if we really know what it means, hallowed be your name. Do we understand the implications of that phenomenal phrase? It's sort of an official thing like, long live the king, Uh, hallowed be thy name. No, that's not it, is it? Uh, When Jesus says, hallowed be thy name, he says something so full and so rich and inconceivable that I, or I don't think anybody else could ever exhaust what it means, what he's meaning by this. Why? And I th- this is it. Because hallowed be thy name encompasses all of God's nature and all of man's response to God's nature. That's mind-boggling. This is not a casual bit of uh, religious routine. It's not a reciting words that are nice thoughts about God. It's way more than that. It opens... Up a whole dimension of respect and reverence and awe and appreciation and honor and glory and adoration and worship for God the concept of name your name is not restricted to just the title God we think of somebody's name uh, and and nowadays that's just all it is. is their name (coughs) is their name it really doesn't mean much more than just a name we even say well what's in the name uh, but we need to go back to think in terms of the way the Hebrews, uh, uh, a Hebrew sees uh, sees the the name. Jews had a uh, had such a sacredness attached to God's name that they w- went overboard. They wouldn't. They would not say the true name of God. They were concerned about not even saying the word for God's name. It was too holy and and. Uh, <coughs> And all the while, they wouldn't say his name. They were dishonoring his person and disobeying his word and destroying his truth. So they'd kind of gone overboard in that direction and not balanced in the right direction. Uh Uh, They were destroying his worth. And so in trying to hallow his name, they had really missed the point. They just focused on the name itself and actually just the letters uh, that made up the name while missing the person of God altogether. Uh, for example, in the Old Testament, when you read the word Jehovah, uh, there's, not, there's no such word in the, as Jehovah in the Hebrew language, uh, even though it appears throughout the Old Testament. Well, where did they get this word from then, or this lettering from? Uh, in Exodus, God said his name uh, at the burning bush when he told Moses. He says, I am that I am and the Hebrew word for that is Yahweh uh, <clears throat> and there is another familiar name for God in the Old Testament and that's Adonai which means Lord so you have the Lord God Yahweh Adonai is, is, could be his name now the, <clears throat> now the, the Jews didn't want to say that and it was too sacred for it even to cross their lips either one of those words so, uh, you know, even then today, if you were to go to some Orthodox Jewish uh, events, uh, be among them, and you said the word Yahweh, you would even have run a chance of being stoned even today among them because it's still so sacred. Uh, they just won't say it. And so this is what they did: instead of saying that word, they made up a word, and they did it by taking the word. Uh, Adonai and removing the vowels out of it and then Yahweh and removing the consonants out of it and put the letters together and that's how they came up with Jehovah. Uh, So this, uh, they made up this non-word so that they wouldn't have to say the real word uh, as the name of God. See, they were so superficial they were missing the point in all this. But what Jesus is teaching in the model prayer, in hallowing God's name, is that we respect God for who He is, not just the name as a name. Hallowing His name is all is an all-encompassing concept. Uh, in biblical times, the name was more than just a title. <clears throat> an example in First 1 Samuel eighteen thirty: Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle. And as often as they came out, Davis, David had more success than all the servants of Saul. So David uh, got a good reputation with the people. Uh, uh, with the people, he had behaved himself wisely, more wisely than Saul and the servants. And then it goes on to say, so his name was highly esteemed. They weren't esteeming the letters of David's name. They were his name was being esteemed meant that he himself. And his uh, name standing for who he was, he was being esteemed. His name was esteemed that way. So today, uh, we do some about the same thing. We say, well, so-and-so has made a name for himself, or hey, uh, old, uh, Fred over there, he's got a good name. Uh, and it means there's something about that person's character that's worthy of a praise, right? Right. Uh, so the name stow, stood for the whole character of the person reveal, revealed. The name was the personal character of that individual. Another example, uh, it's really a lot clearer to us and, and involves God, which we're all talking about today, is uh, in Exodus 34. <clears throat> and this clearly presents this. Moses is uh, having a discussion with God uh, about his glory uh, he wants to be sure that God is with him and he wants to be sure uh, that God is, is is there and so in Mo, in Exodus 33:18, Moses says show me your glory and uh, he's saying you know don't give me this job that you want me to do uh, that I can't do without you so I want you to show me I want to know you're here by visibly seeing your glory. And the Lord says, okay. Now, And so God shows him his, shows him his glory when we get down to uh, Exodus 35, 5 through 7. And, uh, that uh, tells us that the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So God comes down and proclaims his name. Now what does he say? He doesn't say, Lord. Lord, 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 over and over again. Uh, He proclaimed, how does he proclaim his name? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in uh, in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquities of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation you see what he did there God said I'm going to proclaim my name and here it is he didn't say God, Lord, Adonai Yahweh, any of those things he said my name is merciful gracious, slow to anger long suffering abundant in goodness, truth keeping mercy, forgiving, judging, all of these things, etc. etc, etc. In other words, the name of God is a composite of all his attributes. All of all that God is is embodied in his name. Hallowing his name is not having some fetish about speaking the the word God or Lord. It's howling all that God is in terms of his nature, his attributes. The Psalms are loaded with this concept. <clears throat> if you look in Psalms 9, 10, it says, All those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. If we take the concept of name just to mean the word, does everybody that knows the word God trust in him? Oh, no, that's absurd but those who know the fullness of God of the fullness of who God is those are the ones who are going to trust in him right they know his character and then they trust in him psalm 17 or 717 says i will give the lord the thanks due to his righteousness i will sing praise to the name of the lord the most high the name is is being here all that God is Psalm one hundred two, fifteen: 15 uh, the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory nations don't fear the, the, the word God but they do fear the embodiment they will fear the embodiment of all that God is in Psalm 27 some trust in chariots some in horses But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Same thing here. We're trusting in all that God is, not just the name. The key verse to understand the concept of name is, I think, John 17, 6. Uh, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. I have manifested your name. What did Jesus mean? I have revealed to you and the ones I have revealed you to the ones that you have given me. That's what he's saying. Remember in John 1:14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was revealing God in his body here on earth. Remember, Jesus said to Philip, Philip, have you been with, have I, have you been so long with me? Do you not know if you have seen me, that you've seen the Father. Jesus is the embodiment of the name of God. <clears throat> name is not a title. it's a to- Name is a total. The name is the whole person. Putting it in plain terms, we might uh, pray like this, according to this model prayer. Our Father who loves us and cares for us, who has heaven's storehouse to meet our every need, May your person, your character, your nature, your attributes, your reputation, your very being itself be hallowed. That's where we start. It's not some glib phrase, hallowed be your name, to be thrown out as a ritual to God. It's a way of approaching God continuously and understanding the fullness of who he is and to hallow him for who he is. The very names of God in the Bible help us to understand this, too. God has given many uh, different names, and each of of his names express some part of his character. Uh, In Genesis 1 is where we start with Elohim. God is the creator. Uh, We even sing uh, a song to this effect. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise. Spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with His word, then pronounced them as good. <coughs> Bible also calls God Elohim, El no, Elion, El the possessor of heaven and earth. Calls him Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord healeth. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Shama, the Lord is near, the Lord Mid, Mid-Kadishim, the Lord sanctify thee. You know, when you think of the Lord's names and you're hallowing him for that, that changes the way you pray about him you really are considering his attributes and that's, all these names speak of his attributes. The Bible calls him by so many terms showing the because it needs to show the fullness of who he is. But the greatest name that God ever took, the greatest name by which God has ever been design, designated in history is the name Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ which means Lord Savior King. This is His greatest name, by by far. As the Lord Jesus Christ drew Himself to many, uh, as the Lord Jesus Christ, He drew Himself to many other names. Uh, he's known as the Bread of Life, the Living Water, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Resurrection, the Good Shepherd, the Branch the bright and morning star, the Lamb of God, and on and on. <clears throat> All the names of God teach us various attributes of his majestic, blessed person. And when we speak of God and his names, we're not talking about the title. We're talking about the fullness of who he is. If, and we read it uh, even in Isaiah 9-6 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen the glory of the glory of the only son full of from the father full of grace and truth that's a bad uh that's that's not uh the right scripture i'm sorry i put that down wrong that's from uh john one one fourteen uh but all of these are designations of his nature We understand uh, thy name to be as full as God is in his own being. And to hallow his name is to perceive him in the fullness of who he is now. But what does it mean to hallow? Hallow is an archaic word for sure, but in most translations they keep that uh, in the Bible because of its familiarity. But what does it mean? Hallowed comes from the Greek word... Hagazi, Hagaz, hagias, uh, and it is an important word in the Bible and used repeatedly. Uh, the noun form is hagios, uh, which means holy. So, holy be your name. Uh, well, that, uh, that's what it is to hallow. It's to basically there are two possible meanings for the word holy. Uh, two basic ideas. One is to make an ordinary thing extraordinary or a common thing uncommon by being, bringing, the co- bringing it into contact with something that is extraordinary or uncommon. That's like in First Peter uh, 1 16 where it says be ye holy, meaning that you were unholy to start with, but by coming in contact with the one who is holy, you can be made holy. And uh, so there's your first meaning. And the second uh, way "holy" is used in the Bible, which is actually more times than than the other, uh, it's used in reference or to treat something. It's in in reference to or to treat something or someone as sacred, uh, to hold something or someone as set apart, holy, and holy. Uh, in the case of God, uh, for sure, we regard him as set apart and holy. Hallow be your name is equivalent to be, to as equivalent to holy be your name, and so holy means different here when we're talking about sacred. Uh, now, everybody who is different, uh, not everybody who is different is holy, but everybody who is holy is different. Like you, you see what I'm saying there? Uh, uh, a lot of different people aren't holy but holy people are different. so, uh, And that's just with us. But with God, he's in a totally different league uh, when it comes to being holy. He's in a different sphere. It's a different quality. Uh, that's why he's called the Holy One. God is set apart in a different sphere of existence in a quality of being beyond anything that we can even imagine that's what it means to be holy and out of this idea of him being so much more separate from us then here comes the idea of reverence when we pray this first petition we speak to God in terms of reverence may your person be revered to hallow God's name is to hold his matchless being in reverence so that you believe what he says, obey what he says, and depend on what he says and does. Calvin put it this way. That God's name should be hallowed is to say that God should have his own honor of which he is worthy, so that men who never think or speak of him without the greatest veneration 1 Peter 3, 5 it says but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy talking about reverencing the Lord treat God as holy treat God as separate treat Him as extraordinary, uncommon worthy of being praised and glorified in doing this we're setting apart everything common and profane from us getting prize and honor and reverence and adore the divinely infinite true God our hearts are to long to have him glorified and honored in every circumstance and in every relation well how do we do that how do we really and truly hallow his name here comes the practical part of that it's the application when we come to God in prayer and we begin to hallow And we begin with "Hallowed be your name," and we're serious about glorifying the name of the Lord. What are we petitioning or asking God for? It is a petition. Apart from us, God doesn't. He doesn't need us to hallow or glorify Him. He is glory Himself. He doesn't need us to do that. So, what 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 is this petition really for? When we say "Hallowed be the," thy name or let your name be hallowed the implication is through me It's through you let your name be hallowed in my life there's the petition that we're talking about And I, I got four ways that we can hallow God in our life and these four ways or four points are progressive so follow along with me we hallow his name when we believe he exists there's where it begins in Hebrews 11:6, it says he that cometh to God must believe that he is and by the way when God is in the scripture, scripture never tries to prove that God exists you know why? because God's existence is self-evident uh, that means that the God's existence is axiomatic and an axiom doesn't have to be proven. It, exi- it exists and stands by itself as the agent by which everything else is proven. Uh, everything else proves that it relates to God or has to prove that it relates to God. Uh, God is self-evident in man and in around man in the world. Uh, and we begin to hallow him when we believe that he exists but it doesn't stop there you know you can believe uh, god exists and a lot of people do that but they don't hallow his name Uh, so you move on not only do you uh, hallow his name by knowing that he is but you also by knowing what kind of god he is and here's where the, the progressive and goes on. There are many people out there that say oh I believe believe in God but they don't hallow his name because uh, they're not believing in the God who really is. They have a God they've made up in their own mind. True doctrine about God and true teaching from God are reverence for God whereas false teaching and false doctrine about God are irreverence. We think uh, you know, we think we're taking God's name in vain or people take God's name in vain when they say Jesus Christ or God whatever or something like that irreverently uh, but you know what we take God's name in vain every time that we think a thought about God that's not true of him when we doubt God when we question him when we disbelieve God Asking, you know, why did God? Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do this? Uh, We're taking God's name in vain because we're not uh, trusting in His true character. In His name, illicit thoughts about God do not do not hallow His name. You're going. if, you, if you're ignorant about what God is like then you're going to doubt him when he does things you're going to question him and you're not going to trust him you're going to be disobedient and you're going to cause others to be repelled from God in all that you're irreverencing God in order to hallow his name you must believe he is and be aware that that he is who he is, but if you do that, you still may not reverence God. There's a lot of people out there that have the right theology; they don't hallow God. So the third point is: we hallow God when we constantly aware of, it, or when we are constantly aware of His presence. Know that He is, and knowing who He is, and bringing all that into consciousness, so that we living our day by day lives and giving place to God in our lives that's hallowing God's name David said in the psalm I have in psalm 16:8 I have set the Lord always before me David is saying I see everything through God God is my vision and that's key what about you what about me to reverence God is to live in his consciousness. For most of us, the thoughts of God are really spasmodic, right? Uh, sometimes we get intense about him, and then sometimes we it's just absent. We go to church, and we get fired up about a, a sermon, or we read our Bible and get into a study, and, and for a while there, we're just really honed in and focused and then at the end of the week you look back and go wow, I was really on fire earlier this week but I hadn't even thought about God in days Uh, we're just spasmodic to really hallow his name is to draw conscious thoughts of God into every daily thought into every daily word into every daily action do you see God everywhere you go and in everything you do? is God in everything you say you could know who he is and you could know who uh, you could know that he is you could know who he is and then be constantly aware of his presence and you know what you could still not reverence God if you don't do this last fourth thing and this is brings it really all together here it comes are you ready we hallow God's name when we live a life of obedience to him that's that's the final key you cannot come into a fullness of hallowing his name unless you obey him you can say oh I believe that you are and I believe that you are who the bible says you are and I'm aware of you in, in my life and then you go and disobey him and you cut it off and the, any capability of reverencing his, his name prayer is not that God's name is to be hallowed in heaven. It's not that God's name is to be hallowed in the world. This prayer is that God's name be hallowed in me. That's it, folks. This prayer this is the prayer that says God, may I be the vehicle for your holiness. before you start asking what you can get uh, you need to ask what you should be the first part of the prayer should be God teach me the truth and help me to live it hallowed be your name means hallowed be your name in me remember in uh, Matthew 15 16 let your light shine before others so that They may see your good works and glorify and give glory to your father who is in heaven hallowed be your name means god be on display through me god let the light shine through me so that they may be may glorify you how do you really let god be made manifest by living in obedience to his word we glorify god by confessing him as lord we glorify God by confessing sin. We glorify God by walking in faith. We glorify God by bearing fruit. We glorify God by praise. We glorify God by contentment. We glorify him by evangelism. We glorify God by sexual purity. We glorify God by unity and on and on in obedience. In all these ways, we demonstrate the majesty of God and the glory of God so others seeing us will make the right judgments about who God is and be drawn to him. Hallowed be your name. Is his name hallowed in you? This is the beginning of our petitions when we pray. Let's bow. Father, I just thank you that you've called us to be your children and you've shown us that prayer is not about what we can get from you, but it's about you and your glory. Help us to know who you are and be obedient to what you've told us to do so that we can bring glory to your name. We ask this in your precious son's name. Amen.